right, so this is definitely one of the more unconventional large groups we've had. <laughs> eating first, and uh, <laughs> you guys are still eating as I speak. <laughs> um, yeah, actually, wow, a lot of this message is actually very um, relevant for a lot of us and for a lot of reasons, but okay, I'll just get into it. I'm going to be preaching from Psalm 27, um, specifically from verse 4 and 5, so I'm just going to read it for us. It says, One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek Him in His temple. For in the day of trouble He will keep me safe in His dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of His sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. So I would encourage you to read the whole thing on your own time, but we're just going to focus on those uh, couple verses. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek. So um, as I was thinking about what to share, I was thinking about, you guys have seen the movie Inception? Yes. yes. Who has not seen it? Anybody? Okay. No. It's okay. I'm not going to give any spoilers. There's not, nothing really to spoil. <laughs> But um, basically the movie, I mean, you've had eight years to watch it, so. <laughs> We're basically not going to watch it. <laughs> you really should. It's a great movie. Okay. Um, so in it, these people, they use this um, device. It's like a dream sharing device. And so as people sleep, they like hook up. Um, they hook themselves up to this machine. And so um, they share the dream together. And what they do is these people, this team of people, they go around um extracting information from people's heads and so what they'll do is um, as people are sleeping they'll like um, hook up this machine to them and then they'll like, extract that's what it's called they'll extract information from uh, a target and so of course it's it's kind of illegal um, but in the movie like when you watch it it's like the whole movie looks really cool because it's like dream stuff and like you know CGI and all this stuff um, but for the main plot of this movie, what happens is this rich man, this rich businessman hires this team to try something different. Instead of extracting information from someone's head, what he tries to do is he tries to incept um, or like to, you know, plant, plant, a yeah, a plant an idea into someone's head. And so that's why it's called Inception, right? So of course, within the movie, they're like, oh, is it even possible? And, you know, that's how they kind of build up these, uh, the suspense. And so what they do is they'll, um, they'll create uh, multiple layers of dreams. So they'll have a dream within a dream and even go so far as a dream within a dream within a dream. And so the deeper they go, the, the more likely they're able to incept an idea into someone's head so that they'll confuse it with their own thoughts instead of, you know, thinking, oh, someone gave me this idea. Because if you can trace the genesis of an idea right then you know where it's from so anyway um as they're planning the the inception the you know it's a pretty typical movie in, in that they'll have like the, the introduction of the crew just like in the Emmaus video that stella made you know mm. uh, um so they, they'll have like the thief and then they have like the, the chemist right and so he's talking to the thief as he approaches him he's like okay so we're going to try something new we're going to try inception he's like before bothering even telling me that it's impossible it's like oh no no it's it's not impossible it's possible it's like it's just you have to get to a the very deep level of a dream and you have to plant a very fundamental idea a very basic emotional idea and so he's like oh yeah well then what's that what is that fundamental idea and he simply says the relationship with the father 
Now in the movie, he says it in a very subtle way. He just says the relationship with the father and then it cuts to the next scene. But that little line, it, it stuck with me for like the last eight years. And you could say that that was the <laughs> inception of this sermon. <laughs> 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 yeah, um, yeah, they, they seriously accepted that idea. Um, but I think as I thought about it, it really speaks to the fundamental desire of the human heart. And that is the relationship of the father. And so, you know, like um, in the past, I've preached on, you know, like the value of God and, and about his presence. But today I want to talk more in depth about seeking him, about desiring God. So Christopher Nolan, he's the director of uh, Inception. He also wrote the, the movie. And um, so I don't know if he, you know, why he came up with that idea as like the foundational, you know, underlying motive of, of what we think. Um, I don't know if he consulted like a psychologist or if he, you know, as the writer of this movie, he just kind of had like writer's freedom to just insert that, you know, because you can do that if you're a writer, right? Um, but I think there's this kind of truth to it and I think that he definitely touches on a, a truth of, of of human psychology and you know I wouldn't be surprised if you were a Christian because in a lot of his movies there, there's you know Christian themes that show up yeah, um, but yeah definitely with this one that, that idea the, the relationship with the father I think that's huge and I think that, that speaks to us as, as we were designed by God that, that there's this kind of thing we're made for, and that is a relationship with God, God the Father. So, I mean, even in a natural sense, right, the very first relationship that we have when we're born, I mean, when we come out of our mom's bodies, you know, like we're like, we're like one with her in a sense, and then, and then from then on, we just relate to our parents. They're the first people we relate to. Hey! Yay! Yay! Made it! <laughs> um... Yeah, this is very informal. I'm already preaching, actually, but <laughs> have a seat. <laughs> um, yeah, so, so our parents' relationship is like the first thing that we have. And so there's no wonder that it, it affects us for the rest of our lives, right? It's, it's so important, this relationship that we have with our fathers and mothers. Um, and I think that this is a design of God. So that being the, the way that mothers and fathers are designed to raise us and that we need that we need a mother and father to, to be like fully, you know, to be able to fully receive um, what we're meant to receive. So like, you know, um, this is kind of a side topic, but you know, this, this is something that I felt, I felt like, you know, th this kind of touches as well is that, um, you know, a lot of times the, the LGBTQ community will like talk about like, oh, I was raised by two mothers and like, I was fine, or I was raised by two fathers and I was fine. But, you know, I think it's, it's bigger than that issue actually. Um, fatherlessness is, is a huge social issue, okay? Um, and I'm just going to touch on just fatherlessness, okay? And I'm, I don't even know what the implications of motherlessness is, but there's been a ton of research um, in recent years about uh, fatherlessness. It's the, it's the root cause of so many social vices, okay? So I'm just going to give some, you know, some facts I, 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 I kind of got from this NPR article, um, which was also citing a bunch of other researches. But, but check this out. Children are four times more likely to be poor if the father is not around. School dropouts and incarceration or imprisonment are correlated with fatherlessness. Seven out of ten dropouts 
are fatherless, uh, uh, school dropouts. Girls are twice as likely to suffer from obesity without the father present, and four times as likely to get pregnant as teenagers. So fatherless teens are also twice as likely to commit suicide. Um, and of course, like, like I said, there are a bunch of other resources that, that kind of suggest the same thing, that, that fatherlessness is the root of, of so many problems in society. Um, now, obviously, I don't think this refers just to like physically absent fathers. I think it also applies to emotionally absent fathers. Bad dads can have similar or equal effects. And if anything, if they're abusive, then it can even have maybe worse effects, right? Um, so again, I'm not, I'm not quoting any research on that particular thing, but I think if you talk to enough people, uh, you'll see the lifelong and devastating effects that father's actions have, whether it's good or bad. So um, yeah, some of you know this. Some of you know this. Some of you have had um, you know, negative associations with your fathers or mothers, and that's affected you for, for a good chunk of your life. Um, so, so the way that God designed us is that we're supposed to be in relationship with our, our mothers and fathers. And we're supposed to receive from them wisdom and teaching and guidance and ultimately relationship. And I think this is a reflection of our God or a, a reflection of our relationship with God. And that's why God is known as God the Father, right? Um, some of you guys, actually most of you guys were at the retreat, right? Um, Remember when Pastor Myung Hwa did that exercise where you had to close your eyes and, and you had to picture how you saw your, your dad or your mom or whatever. And um, yeah, you guys realize how much your, the way that you see your own parents affects how you see God, right? And how did that affect you? How did your view of your own earthly father skew or shape your view of, your, of, of God the Father, right? Though it's not a perfect parallel, I think it's one way that we can understand God as a father okay now I'd like to take it a step further than Christopher Nolan took it right um, his his idea was that uh, one of the basic fundamental human emotions is the relationship with the father and that's true but I think that we can take it a step further and say that the most essential the most fundamental and the greatest relationship that we can have is with God the father essentially we were made for God and in previous sermons, I've mentioned this, how God is the key to our peace. He's the key to our freedom. He's the one thing that we need. But I want to suggest today that also God is the one thing that we want. God is the one thing that we want. And he's the one thing that we should want. See, there's nothing else that can satisfy our soul in the same way that God can. Okay? So let's talk a little bit more about desire. Um, I think it's worth touching on, but you know, Buddhists, Buddhists will say that desire is the cause of suffering, right? Um, their whole thing is that we need to realize that we are not even people, we are not even selves. There's no such thing as the self, right? And so their whole thing is you have to understand that there is no self to have a desire. So when you realize this, then the cycle of suffering ends. That's the whole idea of Nirvana, the whole idea of Buddhism. Um, which sounds nice in a weird way, right? If, if you can somehow achieve this, then it's like, okay, you can relieve suffering. Um, and of course, if you want to translate that, that loosely translates to, to our language as sin, right? Their whole idea of let's get rid of the problem, the sin, is we have to understand that there is no self, 
okay? So every religion has some sort of problem and solution that they offer. But guess what? Desire isn't a bad thing. Desire is not a bad thing. God created desire. God created us to hunger. He created us to thirst. Uh, he created us to want to have social interactions. He even created us to want to have sexual desire. Amen? Amen. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, all these things are good. <laughs> We're the only married man here. <laughs> uh, and yeah, um, all these things are good to gratify. Okay? Um, of course, within a certain bounds. Now, hunger, hunger is a sign of health. Right? When you go to a doctor, one of the first things a doctor asks is, how's your appetite? Right? If you're not eating, then there's something wrong. There's definitely something wrong. But if you're eating, and even if you're sick, but you're eating, it's like, okay, they're going to eventually get out of it because they're fueling their body to help you know, aid in fighting the disease. Uh, so, so long as it's not like terminal or something, right? Um, but yeah, spiritual hunger likewise tells us how healthy we are spiritually. Okay? So... Going back, like, sexual desire is not a bad thing so long as it's done within the bounds that God has given us, right? It's okay to eat and enjoy good food so long as you don't overeat and mistreat your body, right? Um, <laughs> right? <laughs> I was speaking to some of you. <laughs> like, as long as you're staying within, like, healthy boundaries, yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, Very healthy. Yeah, make sure to take care of your body, guys. <laughs> it's okay to have sex within marriage right uh with your heterosexual spouse right um there but you know that being said there's also a time to fast right and there's also a time to practice abstinence right namely before you get married or even if you are married to to do it as a way of fasting right so hunger is a sign of health hunger is not a bad thing desire is not a bad thing but the, cru the but the crucial question we have to ask is how hungry are we for the Lord? How hungry are we spiritually? Right? Do you find an emptiness within? Have you been eating spiritually? Have you been reading the word, praying, talking to God in your own way? Have you been thinking about Him? Or do you spend your every waking hour filling it with Netflix or Facebook or Instagram? And again, these are not bad things. Watch your Netflix, read your books, play, have fun, right? Um, of course, do it in moderation. Uh, but are you feeding your spirit? These things are not feeding your spirit. Again, anything good can become an idol if it becomes an ultimate thing. Right? Um, and, and idols make horrible gods. There's a quote that says, Money is a great servant, but a horrible master. Right? Mm. Oh, that's good. Let that sink in. Right? Let money serve you. You can have a lot of it. You can, you can even chase it, but don't let it be your master. Right? Don't serve money. Same goes for anything else. Some people, some people eat to live, others live to eat, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> just kidding, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. I'm just messing. Right in the heart. Oh yeah, I'm not saying going to a buffet every so often is a bad thing. Um, but if your soul is filled by just the amount of pictures of pretty things you ate, then there might be a problem, right? So for any creative, any did I, did I touch someone here? Oh man! For any creative thing that you put in the throne of your heart, it will ruin you. Okay, ultimately it will ruin you. 
initially it might feel okay initially it might feel like it's giving you life it might initially it might even like feel you know like great but it's going to ruin you why because they are created things but if you put the creator in the throne of your heart god then you're operating as you should it's like um making created things your your idol your god it's like putting water in your car's gas tank okay it's not how it's made um it's not going to work it's going to break in the same way we were not meant to serve idols and created things we were made to serve and love god our creator and father uh, if not before long these things will go out of hand it will destroy your life so um Unfortunately, uh, we are bombarded with mechanisms that cause us to desire the wrong things. Basically like a car that wants to drink water instead of gasoline, right? Uh, marketing has become so advanced that we as consumers are almost at the mercy of advertisers. Uh, so I, did, I actually did a research on this uh, a while back. That was in, in college, so many, many moons ago. But... Uh, <laughs> I remember doing some, some you know, undergrad research on this. And um, I was researching about like subliminal advertising and, and basically what I think what I came across was that in the 1950s, okay, in the 50s, that's 70 years ago, 70 years ago, guys, wow, they were spending billions of dollars, billions of dollars back then. It's like huge amounts now, right? Billions of dollars back then in research alone to develop ways to find um, how people buy things, why people want things. Okay, advertising research. Now think about the technology we have now. Who here has a cell phone addiction? Please don't <laughs> raise your hands. <laughs> um, I think, no, but really, I think the reason why many of us are on the borderline, you know, cell phone addiction or whatever is because newsflash, they're designed to be addictive. They're literally designed by researchers, by, um, you know, people that do this to be addictive, okay? So I came across some, some interesting information. You know those push notifications that come up like on your Facebook? Um, normally, initially what happened was those red things would come up, like one or two or how many messages that you have, and that would be reflective of how many interactions of people that you had, okay? But now what happened? They have these push notifications where if someone just near you likes something, it comes up and so your your brain automatically was was wired to think oh i have to respond to someone but it's actually not to someone it's now to something which you normally wouldn't have thought anything of but then because the way it you know it tricks you it makes you think that you know you're you're responding to a someone that's why it's called social media right it makes you think you're being social when you're really not right <laughs> yeah um, there's also, they, they do research on this, okay? So you know slot machines in, in like Vegas? They're, they're actually one of the most addictive things. They say it's like three to four times faster to get addicted to slot machines than any other thing, okay? So the reason why our cell phones are so addictive is because there's this thing called variable time, well, I forget the exact term. It's like variable time res response or something like that. Basically, the way it works is it's there's no fixed time in which it comes, and essentially you're checking. There's this checking behavior, and the, even the way that they make the swipe feature is is meant to emulate a slot machine. They literally took the slot machine so that when you're checking your email, you get this sense of control that like oh, 
if I do this, something will update and pop up. But actually, guess what? You have no control over who sends your email. Surprise, right? <laughs> yeah, so it's called, um, it's called um, unpredictability. Yeah, unpredictability. It's that unpredictability that causes us to become addicted using that swipe feature, okay? Um, colors even, right? So they even have these like um, apps now that allows you to get rid of that kind of um, color because they, they, they research that the brighter the color, the redder, the redder the color, the more likely you are to respond because it makes you feel like something is like an alert, mm. an emergency. That's why your Facebook icon is blue, but there's a red that pops up. It's very calculated, all of this, right? Yeah. <laughs> So, so our technology, 70 years into billions and billions and billions of dollars of research, we are at this point now. And that's why so many of us feel like we're addicted. When we may not even have addictive personalities, but we've just been so bombarded with this. Okay? Think about how economics works. If you create scarcity, you can control prices. right? I know this is a very rudimentary view of it. I don't even know economics all that well but we're constantly made to feel like we need more and more and more, or the next thing and the next thing and the next thing, okay? Um, yeah, so no matter what level of income you're at, right, we have this idea that we, there's, there's something that we want to desire more. Um, I was actually confronted with this this week. For, for whatever reason, I just felt like, man, like, there's always something I'm chasing. And I know, like, when I look at it, I was like, okay, I have a job. I actually have, like, three jobs. But, like, <laughs> I'm not, like, I'm not, yeah, like, I mean, they're all, like, little little payments. But it adds up to a, still not that much, but, you know, something. But I'm still wanting more. I'm like, God, if I just had a little bit more, I could, like, live a little bit more effectively. If I had a little bit more, I don't have to worry so much, you know. Um, but you'd think that. But, but actually, it never goes away. Like, think about it. Um, lottery winners. Like, there's this thing called the lottery winner's curse, right? Because most of them, when they win, within three to five years, they go bankrupt and they're actually in a much worse state than they were before, right? Um, do your research if you need to, but it's true. Um, why? Because they don't know how to handle it, right? Um, given the opportunity, our desires will just rise to the amount that we're able to spend and we just lose control. Uh, it's like we're being conditioned to want more and more. So no matter what season in your life, it's like, um, there's just like set thing to chase after, one after another, it's just order. Okay, I'm gonna tell it to you, this is what your life is gonna look like if you just do everything that you are going to chase. Okay, if you're gonna chase everything that you're supposed to, ready? When you're a kid, you want your parents' approval, so you just listen to them. You get the grades so you can get into a good school, so you can find a good job, so you can find a good boyfriend or girlfriend, so you can get married, so you can have kids, so you can do the same things with them, so then you can brag to your friends so that you can nag them to have kids, so that you can have grandparents, uh, your grandchildren, and then you can die happily with your family by your side. That's what your life is going to look like because every stage of your life, there's always something next to chase after. Oh, what do you guys horrible. hear? What do you guys hear right now? Graduate. Graduate. <laughs> right? What was it before? Get into college. What is it? What is it for me? Uh, find a girlfriend. Find a girlfriend. Get married. Get married. Get married. <laughs> what is it for Brian? <laughs> Have kids. Have kids. Right? Um, yeah. There's always something. There's always is it, something. Is it bad? Laugh <laughs> It's not laugh Um Now again, these are not bad things, but we get so worried about the things in front of us, um, and it keeps us from focusing on the one thing. 
the one thing that we actually want, the one thing that will actually give us rest, the one thing that actually when we come to, there is no like, keep striving, keep striving. It's just simply come, right? You can access God anywhere, anytime. But, it, but it's so hard to just set aside time, right? Yes. <laughs> Spirit of <laughs> conviction over here. Uh, and here's, here's another thing, ready? This is like a cheat code for life, ready? Guess what? Once you accomplish whatever that goal is in front of you right now, the next one is just waiting in line, right? When you graduate, the next one's already lined up for you. Ouch. Find your boyfriend. <laughs> Next one's already waiting in line. Get married. Next one's already waiting in line. Have kids. And so on. There is no end to it. All the way to your deathbed. And these things will not satisfy. These things will not satisfy. Now again, blessings are great. God is all about blessings. I'm not denying that. But if you're chasing after these things uh, that we were not ultimately made for, you will be sorely disappointed. It's a matter of how soon you realize this. Don't be the person who realizes this on your deathbed, oh, right? <laughs> so, um, in the last few years, I've been trying to eat healthier. I don't know if y'all noticed, but uh, <laughs> I can tell. <laughs> uh, I said trying, <laughs> trying. Uh, I am not always successful, and sometimes I go through seasons. And right now, I'm in one of those low seasons, <laughs> as you can see right here. <laughs> Um, and I will eventually get back on the horse because, you know, it's all about fluctuations. Um, but whenever I'm doing really well with my, like, dieting, um, and then I randomly have a bad snack, like a, like a bag of chips, uh, I have... Do you guys ever get this? Like, it's like a carb headache? Like, you just... You, oh, yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's like, no. <laughs> like, if I, if I go through, like, a week or two just eating, like, really healthy, like, chicken and, like, salads and veggies and like limited carbs. Mm -hmm. And then if I just suddenly have like a spike in like carb intake, like a bag of chips, my body feels it and I get no, a headache. No, 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 no. I get this like excruciating headache like deep in my head. I'm like, why did I eat that bag of chips, right? Um, and then in that moment, Everyone's I'm like, like, wow, I cannot relate. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the thing is like, if, you're norm if your normal is like that, it's just, you're just eating unhealthy and your body's just used to it. So you don't feel it, right? Um, but then, <laughs> like, <laughs> so, like, in, in that moment after, like, I'm doing well and I eat that bag of chips, I'm, like, feeling it and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I regret it. Um, but in the moment when I'm stuffing my face, I'm like, oh, you know, this is great. I don't care. And then five minutes later, I'm, like, completely regretting it, right? Um, well, it's the same thing with our spirit. Sometimes we're just so used to being, like, numb. Sometimes we're so used to just being unhealthy that we just don't know how unhealthy and toxic we are. Um, and we won't know until later we have the side effects, right? And spiritually, we're often just spoiling our appetites, spoiling our appetites on just whatever we can fill our souls with, right? And um, we may not know it until we come out of that in the same way. And when you're in your like spiritually like strong seasons, then when you come out of it, you'll know like, oh my gosh, like this is so different. There's a different quality of life here. Um, and again, like just the practical thing is like, if you are living in a way, I mean, this is just practical health advice. If you just eat badly, yeah, you may not feel that, that carb headache because you're just used to it. But guess what? 
later you're just gonna get sick you know you're just gonna get a heart disease you're just gonna get you know um, because your body's just used to it right <laughs> you, you can deny it but you know that's and of course i'm not saying that's i'm not saying that's what's gonna happen right with you but you know um, <laughs> we serve a god who's able to do anything he can heal you but that's, that's not the best way to take care of your bodies right and in the same way that's not the best way to take care of our spirits so I want to share a couple C.S. Lewis quotes. I've, I've shared these before, but the first one goes like this. If we find ourselves with the desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. Let that sink in. Yeah. Next one goes like this. It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea, we are far too easily pleased. Right? Far too easily pleased. And that's what we're like when we don't understand this truth that there's just this one thing that we need, one thing that we ought to seek, and one thing that we really should want, and that is God. John Piper, um, he often talks about this idea called Christian hedonism. Okay, it sounds like an oxymoron, and it kind of is. Um, but hedonism is like, you know, when someone who just indulges. Right? Yeah. Uh, but Christian hedonism is the idea that, um, this is how he kind of unpacks that idea. He says, God is most glorified when, you, when we are most satisfied in Him. God is most glorified when we are most satisfied in Him. And so, his thing is, be a Christian hedonist. Be the one that really just wants to please yourself because you really understand that the only thing that can really please you ultimately is God, right? So we have these spiritual longings, um, but like, but unlike the, the snacks that give us these like bad side effects, God, there's no side effects. There's no negative side effects. There are some side effects, but they're very good. <laughs> um, there will be effects in your life if you if you like indulge in God, for sure. You'll see His power in your life. You'll see amazing things happen. And at the same time, because it is kind of weird, sometimes people will just ridicule you, right? Um, if you really are living in the Lord, if you really have the Spirit within you, those are side effects, but those are good. Those are good things. Um, <laughs> those are good things. <laughs> So yeah, with, with any created thing, there are good things, even good things, right? But if you fill yourself too much with them, they become ultimate things, and that's not good, right? We've already established that. But with God, you can indulge, you can overindulge in, you can't overindulge in God. You can just keep <laughs> indulging in God, and that is not a bad thing. You can spend all your days just at the feet of the Lord, worshiping and praying, and that is not a wasted life, right? Uh, because why? We were made for Him. We were made to be in relationship with Him. Now sometimes, sometimes we hesitate. We want to relate to God only through duty or only as a concept or a truth. Sometimes that's just the way we are. And that's okay if that's where you're at. God's patient with us, right? But I want to suggest that there's so much more to God than just the truth to hold on to. There's so much more to God than just serving Him through duty. I mean, these are good things. They're not bad things. But ultimately, these things don't really matter so much if you don't understand 
the worth of God, who God is, and if and that He is someone that we should strive after to to run after with all our lives. And only then, only when we truly experience Him in that way, can we really know about Him, right? So some biblical examples, right? Uh, I look at like David. David's the one that wrote this psalm. He says, "There's one thing I seek, one thing I ask." that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek Him in His temple. These are the words of someone who really understands uh, the worth and beauty of God, who says, I just want more, more and more and more, right? And she's like, I just want a Netflix binge on you, God, you know, like forever. <laughs> That's essentially what he's saying. Um, I look at Paul, right? Paul was a man who was against Christianity, was like so opposed to Christianity and suddenly he gets this encounter from Jesus and his life is completely transformed and then not only just is he serving the Lord with all his heart now he's like saying things like I consider all things lost I consider it garbage like poo it's like nothing <laughs> I mean literally if you look at the word study it's like poo it's like poo poo he uses poo poo in the Bible guys yeah it's like, I count all else all gains I had in my life as poo poo like repulsive <laughs> disgusting compared to the all-surpassing knowledge of Christ. He also says, to live is Christ, to die is gain. I mean, that's just some powerful words, right? He's saying essentially, you can't take anything from me because whether I live, I have my life to give to Christ. And if I die, then I'll just be with Christ. You know? <laughs> like, you can't, like, that's the invincibility, you know? That's like the, the cheat codes to life, if you understand this. Like, you, you have nothing to fear you can just go and do anything that you feel like god is calling you to and there's no loss you can't lose and and i see paul and i'm like what did he see that he is living like this now like what did he see when 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 jesus met him he saw beauty he saw beauty face to face and with that he can live a life like this and so for him it's like oh man i've seen and i've tasted and like, man, his life just testifies to the beauty of who God is. And so he's someone we know that has a relationship with the Father. And that's the kind of life that he's living. And so uh, I'm just going to close with this. But just to remind you, God is worth seeking. God is worth desiring. Okay, He is the one thing that we should want. He's the one thing that we need. And the degree to which we know this is the degree to which we will experience that joy to, to live and, and really understand and to be empowered uh, in the same way. And if not even greater ways than, than these people we read about in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. So yeah, one thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek Him in His temple. Um, so... Uh, I'll, I'll close this, this one little thing. This, what, what actually was the actual inception of this sermon was not the movie Inception. But um, earlier this week, uh, Monday and Tuesday, I was at uh, Osanri, which is Yoidofo Gospel's prayer mountain. And they're doing this 40-day, 24-7 prayer uh, intercession for Korea, for North Korea. And um, you guys should go if you have a chance at any time in the next like few weeks. They, I think they finish it in June 8th. But it's 24-7, so you just go and there's people praying at all hours of the day. Uh, so I was able to go with a few people from church and, and we led one of the two-hour-long services. 
And man, these people, because they're like fasting and praying for 40 days, like the spirit is just so thick in there. And you know, sometimes it's just like old school Korean like hymns and like that corny kind of like, ding, 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 you know, like, you know, and, and, and sometimes you see that and you're just like, oh, okay, you know, whatever. But then sometimes you see that like this time and you're just like, okay, it doesn't even matter. Like the, the sound doesn't matter. The music doesn't matter. Everyone in there is just so engaged with the Lord. It's contagious. And you're just like, oh my gosh, I don't care if I'm singing the latest Bethel song. I don't care if I'm singing a, a hymn from like 200 years ago or this like corny, like Korean, like ba, ba, ba kind of music, you know, whatever. What do you call that? Like Turotsu or something? I don't know. Oh, is that what they're playing? Some parts of it they do. But like you hear that with like the corny instruments, you know, I shouldn't say corny. Like they're honoring God with it. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, Susu, what have I taught them? Oh my God. <laughs> um, but yeah, like even that, like in the natural, you hear that, but in your spirit, you're just like, oh my gosh, it doesn't matter. God is here, and like you, that's something you see there. Like at one of the songs, I just, I just had to kneel because I was just like, oh my gosh, like this, there's just no place I'd rather be than here. Even though if. I'm in the, the flesh and I know that I have all these troubles in my life and like things to look forward to and things to not look forward to and I'm just like oh my gosh it doesn't matter right now I'm just in the presence of the Lord yeah. and it's so amazing just to soak there with all these other people who are just as hungry if not more hungry and so that was the inception of this sermon and in that moment I was like okay I just wish there's one thing um, not this first one thing I asked but like one thing I want for you guys <laughs> it is for you guys to do, want this one thing you know one thing i want is for you guys to want that one thing and that is god to really see god as he is and really desire him the way he deserves to be desired and for him to meet you there in that place yeah so that's that's it for today so i'll just close this in prayer um father i thank you for uh, this ministry and i thank you for this semester and everything that you have done um, all the testimonies that have been uh, written and all the testimonies that are still being written. And Father, um, yeah, I just pray that uh, more than anything else that we would be a people that just desires you. We would be a people that, that just seeks your face, oh God. Lord, we want to serve you. We want to do all these things for you. We want to sing to you. We want to praise you. We want to love you. But more than anything, help us to just desire you and that all these other things would just follow as a, as a result of that. And so I just pray, oh God, that you would awaken within us a fire that burns for you, a fire that wants, uh, that makes us want to read and to, uh, and to sing to you and to continue to meet and to, and to meditate and, and to talk to you. Um, yeah, Father, we pray that our love would not grow cold, but even as we approach the summer months and as we approach the Sabbath season, that our hearts would continue to uh, burn bright for you. And um, yeah, I just pray that, God, you would lead each one of us on our own journey to cultivate this fire that we have and that God you would truly meet us along in our journeys just as you did those disciples in Emmaus and may our hearts burn for you O God may our hearts burn for you so Father I pray that as we um, just close out the semester that God this would be the one thing that we seek you O God yes Father we love you and uh, we thank you for everything that you've done and I pray all these things in Jesus name Amen, Amen.